0: Welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Visit us on the web at vedanta.org. VARUNAM PITARAMU PASASARA ADHIHI BHAGAVO BRAMMETI TASMA tat Annam Pranam Chakshu Shrotra Mano Vachamiti Tagnho Vacha Yatova Imani bhutani Nijayanti Yena Jatani Jeevanti Yat Prayantya Vishan Tad Vijiknyasasva Tad Brahmethi Sathapotapyata, Sathapastapthuva. Bhrigu, the well-known son of Varuna, approached his father, Varuna, with a formal request. O revered sir, teach me, Brahman. To him, Varuna said, food, prana, that's vital force, eye, ear, mind, speech. These are all the aids to the knowledge of Brahman. To him, Varuna added, crave to know well that from which all these beings take birth, that by which they live after being born and towards which they move and into which they merge. That is Brahman. He practiced concentration. This verse is from the Taittiriya Upanishad and it's more like a kind of a spoiler alert what the talk is going to be. Yes, the mystical interface of life. It could have also been the mysterious interface of life. It's so good to be alive. Yeah, I mean people don't appreciate what a precious gift does. But the moment they will see a centipede, they will shriek and they will try to kill it. That's, is that life? They have appreciated only life in themselves, not anywhere else. That is the problem in today's world. Life seeks other life to live physically, morally, psychologically, intellectually, aesthetically, and even spiritually. We just can't live in a vacuum. And this interplay of life all over the all everywhere. It's amazing. It has in it established itself in the seas, in the land, in the air, every nook and cranny is teeming with life. This is an amazing planet. A planet Earth, planet life could have been. Take, for example, there's a, f- a kind of a parasitic fungus called cordyceps. It infects insects, weevils, etc. And it hijacks its nervous system, its, psych- its physiology, everything. It changes its mind, and that's why it's called the zombie parasite. And the insect runs towards the top of the trees. and in the meantime the fungus completely changes the insect and kills it, and from, that in- from the insect, it kind of brings out those two horns or three horns or something like, and then it spores. Life interacting with life, we may think, oh, it's so it's terrible. But that is the play of life. Wherever there is life, there will be also something called the play of life. And we have been trying to understand from the very beginning, what is this life? What is this that enlivens, palpitates, for which I run about, I lie, I steal, I kill, just to kind of protect this life? What is this life And religions had taken up this question, obviously. We were very religious in the beginning. And they had very narrow worldviews of life. That old worldviews in today's world has become dangerous. It has created conflicts. And one of the reasons why the irrelevance of Religious thought is because they have not understood life correctly. If you just take a microscope and peer into a cell, you will see its workings and you might spend the rest of your life keeping on peering in the cell. The amazing work that's going on there, the life processes there. All without even you knowing it. It's there, not only in the human cell. We have to think about, oh, our human cell is kind of great. Oh, It's all over. Life, that's the basic unit of life, the cell. And because we have been deliberating on what is life, it's the most studied. In fact, all our actions are all related to life. If you take the dictionary and open it, you can take each and every word, most of the words will be linked to life. Yes, it is central in every activity, in every thought, in every endeavor, in every type of knowledge. We are trying to unravel what is this life. So it is studied, it's deliberated, it's hated it's loved it's the whole you can say uh, spectrum of meanings we can get so the first (coughs) interface with life is yes we are individuals and we interact with the others other individuals we interact with the world and this interaction can be called a kind of interface. So we see (coughs) that this life that we know now is nothing but a process. It is as ancient as this earth which is about 4.5 billion years according to most scientists and life started about 4 billion years ago. It has been evolving gradually. So this is not the end of the process it's a continuous process the powers of evolution is pushing us into better and better you can say life forms so it has risen from the earth it is part of the earth and the earth itself has been trying to destroy it yes there have been mainly five major extinction events the third one in the end Permian was disastrous because it took 96% of all species, all life. Today, 99% of whatever lived is all extinct. But good news, we are in the sixth extinction event. But this time, it's not the Earth that gave life and is trying to extinguish. It's ours. We are busy destroying not only each other and not only are destroying our lives, but we are busy in destroying the environment. That which gave birth to life is now threatened. Species are threatened. Every species, The plants, birds, animals, everything. So, uh, human beings with all their ingenious you can say intelligence are killing the human species itself and the, and life itself. So <clears throat> this talk of course like I said it could could have been mysterious interface of life but then uh, it's a mystical interface of life and we need to go a little deeper because, it is only on the level of the mystical can you understand life. Otherwise, life will be nothing but a lump of meat that will <laughs> that are somehow moving about and it will get extinguished. It has to be some deeper aspect, some deeper meaning to why this life exists. So what's the meaning of mystical? The dictionary says supernatural, supernormal, metaphysical, extrasensory, transcendental, occult, otherworldly. It's a long list. Like I said, life is related to each and everything. And it's not only related to the words in dictionary. The words address something which exists outside, whether abstract or concrete. So life is intimately connected to each and every object in this world. And that is a great kind of advance in our understanding of life. So this life connected with everything and along with, with every long expanse of time. We are the product, like I said, of a long line of evolution. All whatever we have lived all these millions and millions of years is embedded in us. All that history is there written down in the cell. Now, when we interface with life and life interfaces with this nature outside, sometimes... Most of the things, actually, most of the things we really don't know. Take, for instance, the long migratory patterns of birds, or you can say uh, amphibians, or even you can say fishes and all. How do they migrate thousands and thousands and thousands of miles? And uh, we, we say, quite yeah, they have a kind, they have a kind of a magnetic sense. Or their their eyes have got those kind of uh, cells that track things. No, we don't understand this. Thing. Most of how we interact with life is just, that's the reason why it's only on the superficial level. We don't know much of it. We are growing in knowledge. And that's the reason why when you bring in the topic of mysticism, it is then that things stand revealed. So we have Vedanta saying we are alive and we have this kind of interaction. with This world outside is made of the same stuff that is inside. That's the reason why it's so synced. Take life out from the environment and see what happens. It goes mad. So before we can go into the deeper aspects of mysticism and the interface and all, you know, life also interacts with you know on the existential level. Oh we are so happy and so sad and joyful, and you can say we say, life is suffering and life is grand. And life is miserable. Life, all the emotions, we are actually interacting with the emotional, emotion, emotional contents of our minds. We are not really interacting with nature. And that's the reason why we get kind of blinded by this interface. So pleasure, pain, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, you know, Sri Ramakrishna also says, you know, we are kind of enmeshed into the interface of lust and greed. We just, this is the interface. And Sri Ramakrishna said, we have to disengage from that interface. If you keep on getting into that lust and greed, calm and kanchana, then what happens is, you go down to the level of brutes. If you disengage, you are nothing but divine. This is the easy way of Engagement and disengagement from them. So these three things. Life. is Has to always be embodied. You cannot have. A disembodied life. Life also has to be embodied. So we have. Life. Always coupled with. Matter. Material. And. We also know. That life is intelligent. There is no one who will say, Oh, life, it's not intelligent. You see this intelligence displayed everywhere. And so these three things, life is as it was sandwiched between matter and mind. In Vedanta we have something called the, the Annamaya Kosh, Pranamaya Kosh and the Manumaya Kosh. So, this is the sheets. The mind sheath, the vital force sheath, and the food sheath. Food in the sense material. So, we eat things which have been kind of grown outside. When we eat here, that becomes converted into our body. So, that matter is nothing but food. This is, as it were, you can say, Really, the the unit and all this—the life, the matter, and mind—are in a perfectly symbiotic relationship. So, but we have something called life here, as well as life everywhere. Swami Vivekananda says that all the matter that you see in this world can be reduced to something called akash, space. All matter in all its derivatives and all its forms, everywhere. And all the forces, whether internal or external, can be resolved into one universal force called prana. So we have akash and we have prana. And he's saying... Further, he says, this akash and prana itself can be resolved into a higher entity, which is called the mind, the mahat. So, the cosmic mind, as it were, splits into matter and energy, or mind. And this whole universe is a play of this cosmic mind, matter and energy. So the first interface, as you've seen, we interface the individual with the collective. And we have seen how this is the true basis of morality, of unselfishness. When we interact with people, that is where we practice and we have developed and we can display Ethics and morality and religion, here has a great say, and every religion says, "Oh, you've got to be good, you've got to be true, you've got to be unselfish, you've got to be, you know, loving and compassionate." Why is that? You're saying no, because that are great qualities, spiritual qualities. The only problem is they say, "Oh, you first direct it to God, but if you can direct it towards." Your brother-man, it's very difficult to direct it to God. And that's what this kind of bhakti becomes hideous. Years and years and years we've been struggling to acquire devotion and nothing is happening. It's all sentimentalism. We cannot love people around. That is what Swami Vivekanda, he met a young person and then he, that young person, is talking about yoga and this and that. And Swamiji says, "What do you do? I close my uh, close the doors, shut the light off, and then and, and I practice this yoga." So he's saying, Swamiji says, "You do one thing, my child. You <laughs> open the doors and windows and go out and see you <laughs> and go interact with people around." <laughs> this life is intelligent, of course. But the intelligence that displayed in nature is astounding. It has entered in every niche and it has conquered that particular environment. If there was no intelligence there, it would have been impossible for it to conquer this. So there is a basic, you can say, drive to conquer the environment. This environment has given birth to that. And this life is conquering So this intelligence is, as it were, the very backbone of life. You take intelligence out and everything is kaput, as I say. This is a web of life. And we are but nodes in that web. If we can understand that this mighty interconnectedness of life... You don't need anything else. This itself is religion. This itself is spirituality. So we have from the smallest unit, as we say, the cell. And as we keep on growing and growing and growing, not, life is nothing but a collection of all these units. And each one on the, from the very basic level is intelligent. There was an old this <coughs> theory that oh you know uh, we kind of superimpose our ideas on plants and animals and birds and uh, and think that they also they also behave because the way we behave it's a kind of reflection of ourselves. actually it's, you know every living being has a unique personality they feel pleasure, they feel pain, they show compassion, they have friends, they communicate. Yes. So these old ideas of only human beings have something called the intelligent life and the rest of life is stupid, sometimes that life makes us feel stupid. They can maneuver themselves all over and we need a GPS to just go around a few city blocks. So imagine, so this is that display of intelligence. This is what is life. And we are interacting very intimately with this. Through this intelligence, the world outside. If we can understand, we are interacting and interfacing with intelligence outside. It makes for a richer life. Now, when we talk about interface, what is interface? Interface is nothing but uh, two systems, two reality subjects coming together, interacting. Of course, we can talk about uh, the machine and machine, uh, computer interface. But this interface is when two things come together, each takes on the property of the other, as it were. So we find (coughs) that this evolution, this earth was made beautiful by what? By life actually. It is life that actually transformed this red hot planet into something which is now blue and full of life. It is life that transformed this earth. So life transformed matter? Oh yes. Because life has that power. As I said, interface means two things come together, interact, and they share these characteristics. So matter itself has become, as it were, alive. Now, whether matter is like, you know, uh, whether it's a plasma state or superconductivity state, or you can say solid state or the quantum state, life actually interacts with matter on all the levels is just amazing. We do not know. We are not aware of it. Our awareness is only on a small bandwidth of, yes, my, m- me and my. So when we have this kind of same material here as well as same material there, all life has now become kind of part of my life. Life in its extension, life in its infinite aspects. There is also, there is a research going on if we can understand what is mind. What is mind? And we have located the mind in the brain. And it has left many unanswered questions. It's a kind of a reductionist view of things. But some things like the extended mind, the immune system, the microbiome, the epigenetics, the neurons in the gut, they simply blast this idea of just a mind in the brain. Mind is everywhere. So we have this idea that mind, which is located in the brain the new research is now trying to understand mind through the processes of life, through biological processes. And that is why uh, this research is taking off a lot of uh, papers written on this. When we talk about just matter, what's matter? Yeah, this is material. Amazingly, (coughs) This ordinary material also is found to have some form of memory. We won't go into that lengthy uh, discussion of water has memory, fire also has memory. And there is also the search for memory in materials. Hair is found to have some form of memory, keratin that is. Jagdish Chandra Bose had shown that metals also stress and deform and you remove that deforming pressure out, it bounces back. So matter also is found to have some form of intelligence and some form of memory. And that is of course because matter, life and mind are in a symbiotic relationship. There is no such thing as only gross matter and gross matter and the mind separate. There is a kind of a combination. That's why the properties of life are transferred, are transmitted to matter also. And we know all matter has something called information. Uh, This uh, uh, talk is streamed. Yeah, talk is streamed? What do you mean talk is streamed? Yeah, it's talk is streamed. You know, it's like just everything is data. So matter is nothing but information, data. And this is what we are finding that this machine or brain-body interface, we have either in the body or outside, machines are interfacing with bodies and they are working wonderfully. It is enhancing life, in fact. And we don't know why these things were kept separate. If materials or matter is completely alien to life, it wouldn't have been interacting, it wouldn't have been interfacing. So this is, we have this matter as some kind of pattern, some kind of intelligence. There is something called the golden ratio Either it's it's pronounced phi Or phi The ratio is 1 to 1.618 That's called the golden ratio And you'll find it In all nature Everywhere you'll find this golden ratio In the the, uh, Broccoli In the cabbage In the shells In the human body Everywhere you have This kind of pattern. Who has told nature that this is a pattern that has to be followed? And there's something called the fractals also. Fractal geometry. Uh, Swami knows all that. Uh, Mandelbrot, he uh, kind of discovered it. That pattern. And this pattern is a kind of a self replicating pattern. You minimize it or maximize it, it will follow that same pattern. And this in nature, in matter which is supposed to be dull and dead and insentient no, there is something that is transmitting its intelligence and its, you can say, life to ordinary matter and then when we come to the yoga practices you know, oh my god these various spiritual powers called vibhuti's or the Ashta Siddhi. Oh. I remember when I first read it, I said, am I reading something which is right? It simply dismisses matter as of no consequence at all. Everything is a mind, and it the yogi can become omniscient. He has complete power over all of nature, that yogi can reduce himself or herself to a size of an atom, can expand, the yogi can expand the body to a huge size. What's this? Is it mythology? It's not mythology. These are real powers in the yoga philosophy. You know, Sri Ramakrishna one time he tells Swami Vivekananda, "You see, I have got all these powers, you know, I want to give them to you. Will you take them?" said, no, no, I don't want them." Of course, Ram Krishna was very pleased. He, Swami Vivekananda, said, "Will they help me to realize God?" "No, but they will help you, in a worldly sense." "No, I don't want them." So these are these powers. There are the powers, and then. Matter that we see—it's a kind of a deception, you know. We are seeing this matter here and saying we're making a big thing out of it. It's not a big thing. It's only five percent, or 4.9, or 4.8 percent, something of everything that is in the universe. There's a huge, you can say, area called the dark matter and dark energy, whatever, and that affects matter. What is then matter? Well, matter itself is an illusion. And this itself has been spoken of by many people. Especially the mystics. They have opened up the secrets of nature, the secrets of life and the secrets of mind by going down to a deeper aspect of these three things. Swamiji says that the universal mind splits itself into these universal forces. So creation actually starts in, according to Indian metaphysics, from the mind. It's the mind that creates everything. It's a mind that gives life to things. It's the mind that gives life to matter. And life is transformed through this mind. So mind is an element which Was studied in Indian philosophy. So, what is the foundation of mind? You will say, What's the foundation of mind? Well, it is consciousness. This consciousness, you remove that consciousness and everything becomes dead. Fortunately, quantum mechanics, especially, now they have brought in the idea of consciousness as central to quantum mechanics. Imagine uh, removing uh, the idea of consciousness from neurology or psychology or anything. Well, there will be no knowledge at all. So that which was considered as fringe, that which was considered, you can say, not relevant to science, now science itself is bringing it back to its... there, there is, Swamiji says, it is so central that if I have to know everything, I have to know in and through consciousness. David Bohm, the, there was a very famous uh, physicist. He saying, that's the non-locality non-loc- of being. It is connected with everything. It has infinite potential. And these are mainline physicists. So consciousness impels everything. In the Aitri Upanishad, we have the creation of mm, all beings with two legs, four legs, beings born of womb, of moisture, of eggs, etc., etc., being described everything. And then it ends with all these are impelled by consciousness. All these have consciousness as the giver of their reality. The universe has consciousness as its eye. And consciousness is its end. Consciousness is Brahman. Prajnyaram Brahman. This is one of those great sayings. The Mahavakya in Upanishad. So it's consciousness. It is consciousness that's pulling. You know... <coughs> the uh, Sri Krishna's Vedanta Guru Dota Puri. he stayed with Sri Krishna for 11 months which was very long he never stayed for more than 3 days in one place towards the end he suffered from terrible colic pain and he at uh, one time he thought why bother with all this pain let's Immerse this body into the river and let it go. No of Brahman can do that. He was an oar of Brahman. So one day, in the middle of the night, as he tried to meditate, his mind was dragged down by the body. Enough. He went down to the banks of the river, Ganga, and started wading in the river in order to drown himself. And amazingly, he is Maya, the water which generally is, <laughs> is about 20 or 30 feet deep, is only ankle deep. And he walked almost to the center of the river, middle of the river, and what's that? And, and the, uh, the author of the uh, of the Shiram Krishna, Leela Prasanga, says something from within pulled the veil over his mind and he saw mother that great reality in water in land, in water and he says he is ecstatic he's saying mother is the disease, mother is the body mother is the mind, mother is knowledge, mother is ignorance mother is the sense of I Nobody can transcend mother. Mother makes the ye, ne, and the ne, ye. And mother has everything. This was the realization of Totapuri. We generally have this idea of too much of subjective side of Vedanta. The Nirguna aspect, the, 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 the absolute aspect. And it's kind of easy, you know, try to uh, Beat any kind of uh, uh, philosophy or religion or any argument, anything, you can bring in Vedanta and you can dismiss the doubt. Very easy. And uh, somehow, we, for many years, even monks, have been emphasizing, oh, this world, it's an illusion, you see? Oh, the world, it's a dream. And people have kind of swallowed that. But they have forgotten the other, the immanent, the Saguna aspect of Brahman, which, through Mother's grace, Ratha received and made his knowledge complete. This is what is required. Uh, we don't want a half kind of knowledge, you know. We have a knowledge, and what? This is the reality here, which is there, palpable. In the one of the Upanishads, we have. He who inhabits the earth but is within it, whom the earth does not know, whose body is the earth and who controls the earth from within. It is the internal ruler, your own immortal self. This is a long passage. It's one of the most sublime passages in the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad. It's called the Antaryami Brahmana. Yo, tishtat, naveda, prithivi, antara, yamayati, atma amrita. And with each element, he's saying, that is within earth. Then he said, within fire, within water, within, within mind, within life, within the gods, within the sense organs, everywhere, he speaks about, this is the internal ruler within you which the, your body does not know, your mind does not know, but who controls the body and the mind from within. This is the internal ruler, your own immortal self. This is that affirmation. This is what Vedanta affirms, that this life and this world is divine. It cannot be otherwise. Without this kind of mystical element, without this idea of consciousness, there is no point in living Yeah. What's the point in living? Everything is ends with death. But no. There is an infinite dimension there within us. And the emphasis on this Ramakrishna Vedanta is this. In this age, Totapuri Puri was brought just to demonstrate that it is this Vedanta will make all philosophies, all rational thought and even irrational thought, somehow, make them kind of intelligible. Nothing is exactly extraneous or wrong in your life. We have been traveling like we have been traveling these long evolutionary pathways to reach up to here. We also have been psychologically traveling long, 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 long years. We have reached here. Like we have the cultural side of this you know, machine uh, technology has driven us so far ahead, more than the, you can say, biological evolution, that humankind now is in a unique position to even tweak other forms of life. And we have been doing this for a thousand years, but now with genetics, we have pushed ourselves ahead. We are right now redesigning life. And this idea that, oh, life is only here. Well, for now, you've seen, wherever there is matter, there is a possibility of life. It cannot be otherwise. And if we do find life outside this universe, oh, it is going to change us radically. Then some of the religions also will have to kind of re-edit some things that they have said about life only being here. And if we don't find life outside that also is going to change us. Imagine how unique this life is there. This only thing called life is there in this whole universe. The sense of responsibility will come. The sense of safeguarding and protecting this will come every life will be meaningful and this is what and we have been trying to seek a kind of a cause is there life outside you know all these searches for life outside because life has to interface with life what forms of life and what what are the what what kind of unique qualities that we can inherent from that life that form of life because we have been growing because of this life the Swami Vivekananda, in one place he says we have seen that matter and you can say energy are resolved in something called the high kind of mind and at the background of the mind there is something called a soul is it really so? You say, put a seed in the ground and it becomes a tree. And then that tree goes back into a seed. So start, the beginning and the end is one. Take the whole universe. Say. What do we find? Here we find intelligence displayed. That means there must have been intelligence at the very beginning. Scientists will say, no, intelligence is displayed only towards the end of the evolution. There's no end of evolution, something called. So he says, there's something called evolution and involution. The beginning and the end are one. So if we see intelligence here, intelligence must have been there in the very beginning. And Swami Vivekananda says, it is that intelligence which is slowly uncoiling itself through millions and millions and millions of years. What is that intelligence? That intelligence is called God. Well, and in the individual body, that is called the individual soul. And the individual soul and individual God, there is an eternal relationship between the eternal soul and eternal God. This, this universe is in a way eternal. Why? Because in Vedanta we have something called God projects this universe, Ishvara, out of itself. Amazingly, yeah. You cannot have a creation separate from God. It's called a Upadhana and Nimittakaran. Upadhana is the material cause of this universe's God. The instrumental cause, the life, the intelligence in this universe is God. So it's upadhan and nimittakara. And this is the, one of the central doctrines in Vedanta. And here we have, it is, as it were, God is uncoiling itself or herself. There's no kind of gender out there. This is what. So when we come, this is what it is. But how do we actualize it? That is the problem. Yeah, the philosophy is nice. You know, you've been listening to me, and I've been listening to myself also, and and kind of is good. Yeah. The problem is how you know we have devotees. You say, but well, how how do we get to get into that thing? That is the problem now. In one of the the vespers hymns of, Sri Ramakrishna. Swami Vivekananda says about Sri Ramakrishna is his body is the body of consciousness Chidgana Kai Kai is a body Chidgana condensed consciousness this whole universe as it were is kind of intelligence or infinity and love and life and everything is as it were condensed into the form of Ramakrishna Krishna yeah, so here he is. Ramakrishna is that condensed form of, universe, and that is what is called an avatar. An incarnation means this. Now you say, oh, this Ramakrishna is everywhere. Yes, and that Krishna is also there within you. Vaikundanath Sanyal, when Sri Ramakrishna touched him on the 1st of January, you know, in the Kalpataru day, He saw Sri Ramakrishna everywhere, in the sky, in the earth, everywhere. He just saw Ramakrishna, Ramakrishna, Ramakrishna. And after three days, uh, he said, I'll go mad. He wasn't ready for it. And then Sri Ramakrishna withdrew that vision of it. So we have this whole, you can say, existence. Existence of what? It is nothing but that of Ishvara, of God. And we are interfacing, interacting always with God. And that is what the whole secret is, the the mysterious interface of life, a mystical interface of life. We don't realize that we are interacting with ourselves, with that higher self. And as this slowly dawns into our mind, we will understand that Ram Krishna, that essence of consciousness which has appeared to us to lead us beyond just the kind of play of matter and mind and life, which is on the fringe and come back to the core. As the Upanishads say, he who controls you from within he is your own immortal self. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti, Hari Om Tatsat Sri Ram Krishna You've been listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California.